Welcome to the Pastor's Cut. This week we're on with Noah Chung, Associate Pastor of Church Planting from our Near South region, talking about what got cut from his sermon on Acts chapters 10 and 11, and a listener question as well on work. And so if you have any questions you'd like us to discuss in an upcoming episode, you can send those to us at podcast at parkcommunitychurch.org, or just drop a comment wherever you happen to be listening. So send those in. We'd love to see what you're wanting to hear more about. All right, with that, let's get started. I'm Trevor Lovell, and this is The Pastor's Cut with Noah Chung. All right, Noah, good to have you on the show. Yeah, good to be here, Trevor. Yeah, absolutely. We've got another uh, afternoon record here, so these are always fun. You never know what's going to (laughs) happen. Yeah, Uh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. So, um, summer plants. We're we're on the brink of summer, right? We've got June, July, August ahead of us. What are you looking forward to as a family, as a as an individual? What are you, anything on the horizon? Yeah, with uh, hopefully the COVID numbers going down, we have two family vacations coming up. We have one during the Fourth of July where we go to St. Louis to see my mom and my brother's family, and then in the end of July, we're actually going to Hawaii which uh, my, uh, my wife's family lives uh, on the big island. Um, and so we're going to go there with two kids under two. And uh, Sophia's siblings are all going to be there out, out there as well. Uh, the only caveat to, to why I agreed to go is because the grandparents are going to watch the kids so that Sophia and I can get away for like four days at like a resort over there. That's the only reason why I'm going. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and see them, of course. Yeah, of that's course. that's the reason why. That's oh, that's man. that's the uh, that's the plan, and all that's before the Hyde Park lunch before September. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. Good stuff. <laughs> a nice little like uh, like renewal, uh, little refreshment before before planting a church. So yeah, yeah. And it's like you just need to you got to survive the flight with with the young ones, and then it'll be all worth it once you get there. Yeah, and then on the way back home is another journey too. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> and good stuff. We're looking forward to, I'm, I'm hoping to get us to the Indiana Dunes as a family. Um, I don't know if you've been there before. We haven't actually, it's so close and we haven't gone yet, but I always hear good things. So mm. figuring. Yeah, this I hear is, good things too. Yeah, yeah. Figure this is the summer and uh, got to gotta make our way over there. So, man. All right. So Noah, you preached um, from Acts chapter ten, verse one, all the way to eleven eighteen. Pretty lengthy, mm-hmm. pretty lengthy passage. Um, you preached at Bridgeport and South Loop this past weekend. Could you give us just a, a recap of your sermon? Yeah. Uh, so it, it is quite a lot. It, I think it's about like uh, about like sixty six uh, verses. And so my main kind of theme, or our main point of the whole sermon, is that. Um, it's a story of, of Peter and Cornelius, and really we learn, um, and I kind of challenge our folks, that we must lay down our own prejudices so that the gospel can reach all peoples. And I really focused um, in my sermon a lot more on this aspect or just importance of reconciliation amongst one another. Um, I, mean, I had, you know, three truths that stuck out from the passage and they all begin with the gospel. And so number one, the gospel message is for all people. Number two, the gospel manifestation. Oh, no, no. The, the gospel. Uh, sorry. I'm reading wrong. But, okay. So the gospel message is for all people. The gospel exposes our prejudices. And uh, number three, the gospel calls us towards continual 
reconciliation. And I really just focused more so on Peter's heart um, and kind of why God needed to show this vision to him three times and then bring three Gentile men over and then through the Holy Spirit tell Peter, you have to go to them without hesitation, literally without discrimination. And really ask the question, like, what is going on in Peter? You know, the same Peter that Jesus says, on, on, on you, this rock, I'll, you know, you will build this church, um, the, the leader of the early church. Um, what was the reason why the gospel wasn't moving forward to the ends of the earth? Like we see in Acts 1.8. And I really get at this, um, this like reality and this ugliness of uh, prejudice. And um, prejudice literally means pre-judgment or really any negative, um, uh, a negative like prejudging of a person or group of people not based really on facts or experience. Uh, and, and that really was kind of the heart of what I wanted to expose that, especially a lot, you know, in this cultural climate, just how much prejudice and bias. And um, when those become reality, they become, you know, sins of racism, discrimination, injustices, all those things. And really focused on that so much that uh, Peter had a prejudice and, and so do we. We all do, no matter how much we think we're not, or how much we think we're perfect. But in reality, I think we all do. And really calling the church to seek reconciliation um, and to also let the gospel expose the prejudice in our hearts. That does take a lot of work, a lot of hard work to do. And just really kind of calling our people towards that. Um, yeah, I focus more so on that. That's kind of the, the big picture. I mean, of course, I can go into more detail later, but that's kind of what I shared big picture for this yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was it was solid work, man. I thought it was fascinating the way that you uh, dug into like Peter in particular and how just the importance of his role in, in the early church and why this needed to get worked out in his own heart for the good of the the church as a whole. Um, yeah, it was fascinating kind of to look at it through that lens and why why God has has to be like so intentional with him on this on this particular issue. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's kind of, it's one, one, one note too, it's kind of interesting, and I didn't get to talk about this a little bit in the sermon more so, but in the end of chapter 8 of Acts, you see Philip after all of his amazing things, and he even reached the Ethiopian eunuch, which we would assume is the ends of the earth, but he ends up, the spirit ends up carrying him to Caesarea, which, and then it just stops, and then the story moves to Paul in Acts 9, but then in chapter 10, it's weird how, Luke picks it up again in Caesarea with Cornelius. And I feel like, I mean, this is my guess, but I'm guessing Philip did not stop evangelizing when he was in Caesarea, but there was a block or just a no fruit. And I think it was because Philip was just one person. He was also not an apostle. He was a deacon. And we really needed the leadership of the church to take this on as well, that the gospel was meant to go to the ends of the earth. And this is kind of why God had, Philip there, but not there was no fruit. Peter needed to be the one to do it, uh, and God wanted him to, you know, face his uh, his biases, his his prejudice, the, the way he looked at Gentiles, and so it's really interesting. I never saw that until I actually like kind of looked more into that detail. Um, it's just really interesting. Uh, yeah, Luke brought that out. Yeah, yeah. Like on the one hand, it's like Peter's crucial. He's foundational. Like he's mm -hmm. such an important person. Um, and then you also had this theme of like a missing ingredient that you, uh, that, that you weaved in from the beginning, pulled it back at the end. And I liked how you, you talked about the mission that Jesus gave to the church, 
um, you know, witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria to the ends of the earth in that, uh, like the missing ingredient in that was that you actually, like you need people from the ends of the earth in order to, to be witnesses in order to reach the ends of the earth. Um, and how, uh, just like that's, I feel like that could be kind of a blind spot when it comes to understanding like global mission. Sometimes it can be like, you know, from one culture sending to all of the others to reach all of the others. And, um, it's helpful to, to see that. So I, I appreciated the way that you worked that in. Yeah. 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 That's, yeah. It's important. I think that was the, Overall, that was the missing ingredient for Peter in the early church was that they were primarily just all Jews. Mm-hmm. And uh, commentators say that from Acts 2 to Acts 10, that there's at least like a five to six to seven year period where there wasn't really any intentional uh, gospel movement outside of uh, Jerusalem and Judea. And so, uh, yeah, it was super important. Yeah, yeah. Man, so... Um there was there was plenty within this passage that you worked out, um, that you were preaching on. So I'm curious, what got cut from your sermon? Yeah, yeah, a ton did, um, a ton so much where I didn't even venture into some of those things even in my own study. But I also was tasked to preach from I, I believe Acts nine chapter thirty, Acts chapter nine verse thirty two and on, mm-hmm. which tell a, a couple of other stories of Peter, and I, I think it's a really interesting. Uh, highlight because after Paul gets, you know, miraculously saved and then on the road to Damascus and becomes a follower, we, Luke shifts to Peter and he shows these two stories about, I think, I think it was Dork, uh, who are they again? It was Dorcas and uh, Aeneas and he heals a paralyzed man and he raises a dead woman back to life, really mirroring what Jesus did, what he was doing in this gospel's Uh, And then we moved to Cornelius. And I didn't spend any time with these two stories of Peter, but I feel like what Luke was doing is showing to his readers that Peter was doing amazing work. Like he was being Jesus in these places, but these are also Jewish followers. uh, And what's amazing is that he had much success. Like there was also people after each miracle, people came to faith, people came to faith. And so now He's, you know, exposed to this uh, vision and this thing and this uh, reality with Cornelius. And I feel like Luke is kind of like test, like Luke is kind of showing that Peter, though he was so successful in this and God was using him, there was something still very much needed to be exposed in Peter's own ministry that only God could reveal to him in a vision. Maybe even like recalling back to like Paul's vision, like how uh, sometimes there needs to be such a radical uh, encounter with God for, for Peter to finally see some of the blind spots in him. Um, and so the question really is, is like, as Peter had was able to heal physical illnesses or reconcile physical uh, illnesses, the big question with chapter 10 was, would Peter then be able to recognize and reconcile um, relational uh, illnesses or relational differences? And I think it's, it's really um yeah, it's really strategic for Luke to write it like that. And I wish I could talk more about some of that uh, because it kind of makes the story in Acts chapter 10 a lot more powerful uh, when you talk about what Peter is coming out of doing mm-hmm. um, and almost in a way humbling him. Uh, so I, I didn't talk much about that, but I, I, that was one big part that I did cut out of my sermon. Well, I had to take the time. So. Yeah, yeah. 
Yep, you only have so much time. Yeah, that's good stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. What else? What else did you have that you that you cut or didn't get a chance to kind of dive into as much as you would have liked to? Yeah, you know, there's um, there's just a ton of. Uh, of course, you can go into some of the vision and some of the context of um, like what Peter saw. I mean, you have this whole with the whole food, you know, kill and eat, uh, the whole unclean, clean animal history. It's a it's a really uh, unique and interesting kind of historical and cultural and religious tradition from Jewish communities from the time of Moses into how those ceremonial laws have really been written and, you know, in a way like distorted. Um, and it's not to say that every single Jewish person was, you know, evil in this kind of way, but how some of those really led towards an ethnic uh, superiority for, for Jews and against all other um, context. So that was, you know, I think that was just a, a lot. It's a lot in there. It's a lot of biblical theology that you could um, look into to kind of like uh, share more about that. Um, one big thing too that I didn't really focus on at all, but is a big part of just the story of Acts is when the Holy Spirit falls upon Cornelius's household around Acts chapter 10, verse 46. Um, a lot of commentators would say that this was the quote-unquote Gentile Pentecost. Um, and and I, I never really thought about this before, but there are three moments in Acts where the Holy Spirit falls on people in a, in, um, in a way that is kind of supernatural. Mm-hmm. Of course, one is Pentecost in Acts 2 with the Jewish believers. Uh, next is with Philip, I believe, in the Samaritan. Uh, Philip after Peter comes. So, like, Philip, like, he helps proclaim to the Samaritans. But then after that, uh, Peter and the apostles come, and then they proclaim, and then the baptism of the Holy Spirit happens on the Samaritans. And then, now we see Peter again with the Gentile followers, the first, like, group of Gentile followers, and the Holy Spirit coming upon them. And I don't think you see any other moment where the Holy Spirit visibly falls on a group of people like that. And there are commentators who believe that it's because those moments are kind of the fulfillment of Acts 1-8 in the way the spirit is moving in power through the church and through, you know, the groups of Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And so there's a lot in there um, because, again, this gets pretty theological, but some people use those, especially the Samaritan one, about, you know, like the second baptism or, you know, Pentecostals believe in that. And that's a huge kind of debate and, uh, yeah. I never saw it like that. I thought that was really cool. And with Luke being such a strategic writer, I could see why he would do that. Uh, mm-hmm. More so than having those things be, you know, prescriptive that we have to be doing, but they're more describing kind of God, like the spirit moving through the people of God. Yeah. Um, and so I didn't talk much about that at all, but I think that's a huge piece to Acts chapter 10 and 11. Yeah, yeah, especially just with, um, like, it's it's interesting to note, like, you know, we've been talking about how important Peter was and how this issue needed to get worked out in his heart because with his role in leadership sort of laying a foundation for the church, and if this if this was an issue with him, it would spread, it would, it would affect the, the mission and the movement of the gospel for the entire church, and, and so God was, like, very intentional and direct to work it out with him, but, but even with that, with, like, the, the Gentile Pentecost in Acts chapter 10, um, you know, he's, he, Peter is there for every single one of them, 
right? He's, mm-hmm. he's there. And, uh, what's fascinating is when you do see the delay in, um, chapter eight, I think it is, or chapter seven, chapter eight. Yeah. With, um, eight. Samaritans, there's the delay. And like when it actually happens is when Peter shows up. So he gets to see mm-hmm. all three of them firsthand, uh, mm-hmm. while he's got this, like the, this issues being worked out in his heart. Um, to really shape the movement of the gospel. So it wasn't just going to, to Jewish people kind of spread throughout the Roman empire, but it was going to people from, uh, from every people group throughout the Roman empire and, and beyond really. So, yeah. 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 And, and, and Acts 10 then becomes kind of the key that unlocks this gospel movement towards the nations mm-hmm. with, you know, the spirit using Paul and Barnabas as we'll find out next week and, uh, you know, next week in the sermon at Park. Uh, and it continues to just grow rapidly. And you notice just a lot more Gentiles reaching Gentiles. Uh, minus, I mean, Paul is probably the only, Paul and Barnabas are the only Jewish. Um, yeah. But mostly Gentiles reaching Gentiles, which is, you know, and, and they're really only going towards Gentile places. <laughs> so mm-hmm. um, it's, such an, it's such an important chapter, not, in term, not just in terms of reconciliation amongst the body of Christ, but also in the movement that Luke is trying to map out um, for his readers. And so, yeah, that's a huge piece that I didn't talk about in my sermon, but uh, is probably more important to the overall theme of Acts. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff, man. Um, all right. Well, in kind of bringing things to a close here, uh, we've got a listener question and uh, this one's kind of right up your alley. Cause you, you have worked with another organization, resource global. That's all about kind of equipping people to, you know, uh, understand, the workplace, the, their, their role in the marketplace from a faith perspective. So all that, I'll, I'll spit out the question here so, so we can discuss it. Um, but here it is. Is my job less meaningful if it's not in ministry? Is my job less meaningful if it's not in ministry? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a good question. Um, the simple answer is no. Uh, the longer answer is that uh, I think even just the t- even just the wording job is not helpful. I think it's a very um, just the way that we as our culture have looked at um, just just work. I think like if you look at work or even the, the fuller term of vocation, um, I I think all work is glorifying and meaningful to God um, because in ministry I think it. We've, we've made kind of a secular versus sacred divide where sacred jobs like in ministry or missionary or whatever Christian work you're doing, it's more important because you have direct impact on, you know, salvation or, or souls, right? Um, and then others, which like if you're a cash register, you know, if you're a cash register person, if you are an engineer or, you know, we kind of give those like service jobs like doctors and teachers a pass, you know, because they're doing like good works. Um, but all work is God's work because if you look at, um, the beginning of Genesis one, um, work was created even before, yeah, even before sin was into the earth, into the world. And, you know, Adam's job was to name the animals and to steward and maintain the work and also to be fruitful and to multiply. And I think for us, as we are working, no matter how menial we feel our jobs are, each is important in the grand narrative of scripture versus just the um, climax of scripture. So it's creation, fall, redemption, and ultimate restoration. 
And sometimes we focus our work too much on the redemption part of like people coming to faith, of doing church work and ministry. But God has us part of the entire narrative of scripture. And each of our jobs are, you know, are important in that, whether it's stewarding, whether it's um, helping organize, whether it's, um, you know, providing goods to people. Uh, and the list goes on. I mean, there's so many things that we are. I mean, of course, there are certain jobs that you would say are definitely uh, not good, <laughs> but uh, majority of the work that we do are good. And I know some, some of them do seem more meaningless. I just feel like um, like a cog in the wheel. And, and, and those are because sin is in the world. And I love how um, Tim Keller talks about the sins in the world create thorns and thistles in our work. Mm-hmm. Essentially, it creates the hardships that our work produces, whether it, it does feel meaningless, whether it's hard, whether, um, you know, you're being like, you know, bogged down by too much work or your boss is like unreasonable or et cetera. Uh, there's so much more. And I think as a church overall in America, we've done a very bad job of talking about our work as a place of sacred and not just sacred and secular, but just work as being valuable to God. And that needs to be a lot more, lot, a lot bigger of a conversation in our churches um, because we do spend, you know, the majority of our time in, sleeping or at work and so um, I would say your job is not less meaningful um, I would say even uh, last one last thing I want to say is I was hearing somebody say that for and this is what you believe in heaven but for some for some you know in ministry technically when we get to heaven or when there's a new creation and new heavens and new earth uh, those in ministry our jobs will end in terms of like those who come to faith and steward God's church eventually that will end but if uh, i mean i believe that there are there's works that will still be done where new heavens and new earth because it was already instituted before sin in genesis 1 i still believe that people have opportunities to create to steward to 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 grow you know and i think those are jobs that will still exist and so i think all 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 work is can be good uh, and meant for and by god but that's a long answer i can talk you know a ton about this but that's how I kind of answer the question. Yeah. Yeah. Man, that's good stuff. You hit that from a lot of different angles. And, uh, yeah, that, uh, that, that Tim Keller quote is so good. That sin in the world creates thorns and thistles in our work, creates the frustrations and create the difficulties. Um, mm-hmm. and, and also it is kind of interesting to think about, uh, you know, like the, um, being able to enjoy work and enjoy creation, uh, enjoy work as we were intended to in heaven, that that's actually mm-hmm. going to be a piece of it. Um, yeah, that's helpful. Yeah. 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 Which, which most of us can't even picture because there are thorns and thistles in any line of work that we do. Like it's, you know, just like how sin affects every part of our lives. Yeah. Um, there is no such thing as a perfect job as much as people want it to be. Um, and so, yeah, that's just kind of what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I remember reading in this book once by uh, Richard Baxter, the the reformed pastor, um, him making this distinction between relating to God as redeemer and relating to God as creator, um, like mm-hmm. redeemer to redeemed or creature to creator, and um, how the like both are worshipful and uh, like one is tied very much tied to the Great Commission evangelism, spreading mm-hmm. the you know the work of redemption, like you were saying, tied to redemption, and the other is. Um, much more just like creation oriented. 
it's a cultural mandate, yeah, or yeah. the creation mandate, essentially. Yeah, yeah, good yeah. stuff. Man, no, this has been great. Uh, thanks so much for making the time. I've enjoyed the conversation a lot. Yeah, definitely. It's my pleasure, Trevor. Thanks. Thanks so much for joining us this week. We hope you enjoyed the episode. And again, if you've got any questions you'd like us to discuss, you can send those to us at podcast at parkcommunitychurch.org or just drop a comment wherever you happen to be listening. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be back next week with a new episode.